0: Good morning. Very enthusiastic this morning. One of the things that I'm thankful for every Sunday is just to be here to be with all of you. And this class, this church, all the people that make up the church is just one big blessing for us.
1: I see Doug, I'm not sure what Doug is doing over there, but he's he's
0: got something electronic going on. This morning, it's my pleasure to introduce to you a neighbor and friend of ours, Bruce Tainowitz. Bruce and Linda live across the street, and you know how much help all of you were to us when Linda was so ill. Well, Bruce and Linda in the neighborhood were the ones that really helped in so many different ways. Anything from meeting the special delivery of medicine to bringing over food, to coming to sit with Linda. And again, Bruce, thank you and thank Linda so much for all that you've done for us. And I had known Bruce prior to that, of course, but not as well as I did uh, during that process. I feel like that I have learned more about what goes on in terms of Judaism as far as the New Testament is concerned and then knowing that Bruce is a Messianic Jew, that he believes that Jesus is the Messiah, it's just been a real good relationship for me. So Bruce is a member and is a cantor down at the congregation that meets just down the road here. Um, Bruce, if I can remember the name of it.
1: beth
0: beth hell and you may have gone by there many times and thought, "Well what does that congregation all about?" So Bruce is here today to tell us what it's all about. So welcome, Bruce. Please.
2: Thank you, Al. I was always like, I don't get up in front of people very often, and this is just a joy and a pleasure to be here, and I just thank the Lord for this opportunity to share. And could everyone hear me okay? Yes. And being from Brooklyn, could everyone understand me? <laughs> if not, if there's anyone from New York, please raise your hand. Would you please translate in case people don't understand me? As I am I was raised in New York. Uh, and I, what I'd like to do this, uh, this morning is just give you a short uh, testimony, how I came to know the Lord, and then tell you a little bit about Congregation Bethel. And then uh, I know usually uh, the best thing is just question and answer, because I know there's a lot of questions that come up. So um, if we could just break this, break this time into those three. Uh, I was raised in New York in a uh, conservative family, conservative Jewish family. There are three uh, different branches. There's reform, which is the least religious, conservative, which is middle of the road, and then the orthodox, which are the very religious. Uh, um, followers in uh, Judaism. I was raised, uh, my, my grandfather was the one of the founding members of our shul, synagogue, and um, I went through the whole synagogue. I was bar mitzvahed when I came to, of age, at 13, and I went through uh, Hebrew school classes beyond that, and I graduated from Hebrew school class at 15. And... uh to be very honest with you, and I know we have one Jewish uh, person who was raised Jewish, uh, the services that I would go to on Saturdays were very lacking to me. It was very empty. It was almost like a styrofoam bagel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, <coughs>
2: seriously, for the most part, we would sit in, in shul, and there'd be someone up front davening or praying, and it was always in Hebrew, it was never in English. And it, they would just go on and on in Hebrew, and then they'd just say, turn to page 32, turn to page 58, turn to page 122, and people just going like this. But we were never able to follow. And we were raised without a Bible in our house, so I didn't have any perspective on what, uh, God's Word was. We just learned from the rabbis, the rabbis would tell us, and then that was it. And then when I was of age and I uh, was able to say no to my mother, uh, I stopped going to, uh, to temple and pretty much lived a worldly life, moved down to Georgia, met my wife, we got married. She was raised in Church of Christ. I was raised Jewish. <laughs> the question came up, what are you going to do when you have children? And the answer was, we'll worry about that when we get to that point. <laughs> and for the most part, for a number of years, we just lived without God in our life. And my wife's brother was um, went to a Baptist, very involved in the Baptist uh, church in Mobile, Alabama, and he started praying for me. And then as time went on, um, I started a new job. And to be perfectly honest, I hated my boss. I absolutely hated him. Every Monday, every Monday morning, we get called into the office, and there was always a different person that got chewed out. And I just didn't know what I was going to do. And then it was that point that the Lord just started to stir, stir my spirit. And where we lived, there was a pretty rock church, a rock-faced church in Lost Mountain. And I kept telling my wife, I'd like to go there sometime. Think about a Jewish boy going to a Baptist church. <laughs> but you know what? It wasn't me. It was it was the Lord just directing me. So my wife said, okay. And the first service we went to, it was about praying for those who oppress you and it was like the preacher was standing up there and every few minutes he kept saying, Bruce, do you hear what I'm saying? Bruce, do you hear what I'm saying? Bruce, do you hear what I'm saying? And it was like, I was saying, wow. And that Monday I went back to work and I prayed for my boss. And it was like the blinders, the blinders were removed from my eyes. And I saw what my boss, what he was like, what he was going through from his family and the things that he was having to deal with on a daily basis that I never saw before because all I had was the anger filtering through. And I prayed for him, and I saw a different person. Mm-hmm. In, and then I got to appreciate him more, an attorney who's just an absolutely phenomenal guy, and I learned so much from him. And It was just one step that the Lord had brought me to. And then for about two, two, two or three weeks later, we continued to attend, and one day we had a knock on the door. And it was one of the deacons coming to talk to, talk to us. And he asked my wife, are you know, do you know when you die, you're going to uh, heaven? And she said, yes. She said I was raised in the church of Christ. I was baptized. And he looked at me and he said, how do you know you're going to heaven? And I said, well, gee, let's see. I've never, I follow the Ten Commandments. You know, I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. <laughs> I thought, you know, I'm going to heaven. He said, well, there's more to it than that. There's a lot more. But being Jewish, I just didn't, didn't, I was, I put blinders over, earmuffs over my ears because I just didn't want to listen because I was Jewish and to accept Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, to accept that for a Jew was not acceptable. So the Lord just kept stirring and stirring in my life and then there was a time I went to the dentist and the dentist a friend of mine told me, he said, you're going to need your wisdom teeth pulled. He said, it's going to be a very, it's not going to be very um, easy. It's going to be a little painful for you. So, but I just want to let you know ahead of time. And I sat down in the chair. He gave me an injection. I closed my eyes. And across the, it was almost like across the eyelids, I could see Jesus. Just the word, Jesus, right there across my eyelids. Next thing I knew, I opened my eyes, and he had the tooth in his pliers. He had pulled it out. I never felt a thing. And I just sat there and so, said, wow. You know, and, and I just didn't know what to think. And then a year went by and we were attending, um, Vineyard Church. And I had some questions about who is Jesus and did he really exist outside of the Bible? Was there any written, anything written about Jesus that brought, that said that he was outside of the Bible? where could I read about that and the sermon that day was on Josephus and a Jewish scholar, a Jewish writer and the writings of Josephus, of Jesus of Yeshua and that just totally flawed me, I mean it was like three times, three things the Lord kept speaking to me each time that yes this is the direction I want you to take and we had an altar call that day, and I still, I sat on my hands because I wanted to raise my hand, but I was Jewish. <laughs> I can't, I can't do that. You know, I'm Jewish. You can't, you can't believe in, in Jesus if you're Jewish. So it was about a year later, um, I just had this desire to go to temple on the high holidays, the Rosh Hashanah, which is the high, one of the holy days. And I had a, some, a cousin of mine who told me about Congregation El down the street, and they said, um, just try it. You know, no tickets are needed for the high holidays, you can just come and, and enjoy the service. So I thought about it, I called, and the rabbi called me back the next day and he says, Hello, Bruce.
1: <laughs> this is
2: Rabbi Solomon. I want to invite you to come to Bethel. El. I had called and, and he called me back. So he started telling me about it. I said, Okay, you know, give me directions. So he gave me directions but I was I was half hearted and I didn't want to write it I didn't write it down. And, Okay, I'll see you. Russia the morning came and I told, actually it was the day before, it was a Friday before, I told my boss I'm taking <laughs> Russia Shunner off, I'm going to synagogue. And I have known this guy for a number of years, he said, yeah sure, uh, you right. <laughs> you're probably going to play golf, you could do something else. Yeah. I said, no no, I'm really going. He said, yeah sure. So, I got up, I started driving to Bethel. And I remember that Rabbi Solomon had told me that the temple was on Pine Grove Road, and I was coming up Highway 9, looking for Pine Grove Road,
1: <laughs> <laughs> back and
2: forth, and back and forth. And then I was by myself, and finally I just said, eh, nah, I'm just going to work. The heck with this. I'm going to work. And at that point, I could hear the Lord hand turn left right here. <laughs> Magnolia, that's, and that's not where it's supposed to be It's supposed to be on Pine Grove But I just kept here, it's almost you know, it's like Right there, turn left So I turned left And then I started driving down the road And all of a sudden, Magnolia turned to Pine Grove
1: <laughs>
2: Wow And I went down the, the hill And all of a sudden there was a sign Congregation Bethel Owl. So I pulled in, not knowing what to expect And I walked in, and as soon as I walked into the temple, I just felt this shalom, this peace upon me. And then I just felt the words, You're home. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I sat through the service, and after the service, the rabbi had an altar call. And I sat on my hands again, because no way, you know. I'm so Jewish, even though I'm in a synagogue, but this isn't. And the rabbi didn't stop asking he just said i must he said in my spirit i feel there's someone else here that needs to raise the hand except the lord and next thing i knew my hand was up and he's then he said you know if you profess me before man i'll profess you before the Father." was taught about that he said so if this if you've raised your hand for the first time please come up and shake my hand I don't remember walking through the aisle. I remember floating through the aisle. It's like I wasn't literally moving. I was just floating through the aisle. I came up to Rabbi Solomon. He reached out to shake my hand and I reached, gave him a great big bear hug. And I accepted the Lord that day. And when I called my wife, my wife was home and she just, she was so excited, so happy for me. And, uh, my life has just changed. Unbelievable. The Lord has done so much. Growing up, I look back on the times that I sat in services and listened to all everything that I was listening to, all the Hebrew, all the chants and everything else, and I never quite knew why I was there. And as, as Al said, I'm one of the cantors at Bethel. A cantor is a chanter. We chant all the, all the blessings before we pull out the Torah, which is the five books of Moses and uh, we lead the uh, the services and chants and these are chants that are thousands of years old and as I like to tell people Yeshua probably chanted in the great temple 2,500 years ago because a lot of these one of the chants is the song that <coughs> Moses and the children of Israel sang to the Lord <coughs> when they crossed the Red Sea after the, the sea came back on the Egyptians they sang a chant of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord and that's one of the chants we sing every Saturday So it's just, and one of the other things I was was telling Al, getting up in front of people, you know, they say public speaking is the hardest thing in the world to do. You know, some people prefer death over public speaking. (laughs) (laughs) And from a, when I have to do this in a business or worldly sense, I'd rather not. I mean, I'd rather, one time I was sitting, had to do a speech, first time I ever did it, and I actually considered faking a heart attack. So <laughs> Serious. I was the third speaker. Two of my bosses were ahead of me. And I was sitting there thinking, if I just grab my chest, they could rush me to the hospital. And I don't have to do this. <laughs>
1: Yet
2: yeah, when I stand before the congregation, stand before you and, and speaking about the Lord and what the Lord does, it's, there's no fear, it's joy. It's joy for me to do that to say what the Lord has done in my life. Yeah, and becoming a believer, uh, you know, the the curtain has been the curtain has been torn in two. And we can come I can come before the Lord. And I can bring my prayers and petitions to him. I know that Yeshua is the promised Messiah. He died for me on the cross and it's by his blood that I'm forgiven of my mm-hmm. sins. But as Messianic Jews, we also follow the traditions of Judaism. We worship on Friday night with the Sabbath starts and Saturdays. We follow all the Jewish holidays that are prescribed in the Bible, the uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the, the uh, head of the year and the Day of Atonement. We don't atone for our sins because we know our sins have been forgiven, yet we still fast. It's a day of affliction for us, so we still fast. Sukkot, the, uh, the, uh, holiday of the tabernacles. And we built tabernacles. I've yet, I've, oh, honestly, I've not built a tabernacle yet. I'm gonna, hopefully this coming year I will be able to do that. But also Passover. And Passover takes on a different meaning for us because growing up it was, for the most part, just the time to eat chicken soup and brisket <laughs> and <laughs> matzah and y'all, how many people like matzah? Uh, you're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we grew up on it. You know what you do with matzah after Passover? You soak it in water and use it to plaster any holes in. The water. <laughs> <laughs> Works great.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we celebrate Pass, especially Passover, especially Passover, because it takes on a different meaning for us. The matzah, if you ever look at a piece of matzah, it's got. Little holes in it. And that's remind us that it was pierced, that it's pierced. And our Messiah was pierced for us. And we also, for Passover, there are three mantras during the Passover Seder. The Seder is the a telling of the, uh, Exodus from Egypt. But we always have three mantras that we put on the table. The middle mantra is called the Afikomen. And growing up, that was like the dessert matza, Although I don't, you don't, mantra's not really dessert, but. <laughs> But from a belief, from a messianic point of view, the three matzahs represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the middle matzah is the Son. And in traditional Judaism, you take it and you hide it, and the kids are supposed to find it. Well, messianic, it's taken, it's hidden for the time that Yeshua was in the ground, and then it's redeemed again; it's brought back up <clears throat> for when he comes, when he uh, when he came back. So it takes on a whole different meaning for us. And um Messianic Judaism and traditional Judaism, uh traditional Judaism believes that I'm dead to Judaism. They believe that if you believe in Jesus or Yeshua, that you're not a Jew anymore. Well, I'm happy to say I'm a better Jew now than I was before I came to know Messiah. I know he died for me and he, he hung on that cross for me. I also know that now I can come before the Lord. I, reading the Bible, I understand more of what God wants us to do. I understand now I have a purpose for the Lord. I understand that my growing up time led me to this point in my life. I have an aunt, my oldest, my father's sister, the oldest member of the family and I asked her one time Aunt Bess do you know what our tribe is what tribe we came from and without without flinching an eye she said absolutely so we're from the tribe of the Levites and it made sense to me as much as I love to serve in the temple my DNA is Levite so there was going. then I started thinking back to the times I was in temple growing up it was almost like my training to this point in time to be able to serve the Lord as a Levite, and it just it all these things all of a sudden started getting so clear in my life and, and growing up and everything. Wow, you know, got this God's plan for me, perfect course that He's led me down. It's just amazing, absolutely amazing. But I've also now, as Paul Harvey used to say, now I know the rest of the story. <laughs> The Old Testament, the Prophets, and the New Testament. Messianic Jew- Judaism and Messianic Judaism. Messianic Jews believe that Yeshua was the promised Messiah. We follow biblical Judaism, not what the rabbis taught, or not the Talmud. The Talmud is a rabbi's interpretation, of commentary on the Bible. And over the years, we've, I've learned now all the fences that were put up the rabbis put up to make sure we didn't violate any of the laws and how many of those fences actually prevented us from coming to the Lord in the first place the fences got so high we, we, we stopped seeing the Lord all these can't do this, can't do that can't do this, can't do that You know, one of, one of the biggest ones that I've always had to uh, contemplate is you're not supposed to drive on the Sabbath well if I can't drive how do I get to Temple? <coughs> so, but again, it was it was a fence that was put up. But now I see that you know there were fences. So we follow biblical Judaism. We, like I said, we follow all of the holidays prescribed in the Bible. Uh, let's see. I guess at this point, is there any questions at this point? Yes, Bruce. Tell me again. Uh, I didn't quite understand
3: the part about the three levels of the uh, of the matzah. Uh huh. It sounded like you were describing the Trinity. Now, correct. And now, is that a part of fundamental Judaism? No. No. Okay. No. All right. So, so those the three layers that. Or, or something that you observe now that didn't, you didn't observe before. Correct. Thank Thank in,
2: in traditional Judaism, the Bible stops at, my, at the end of Malachi. <clears throat> That's it. It okay. doesn't go beyond that. Of, of yeah. the Jews who actually do read the Bible, like I said, we grew up, we did not have a Bible in our house.
3: Okay. Yeah, it, I, I misunderstood what you said. Yeah. Fine,
2: fine. Yeah, we see now what that those three months is actually three months.
3: mean. Do you
1: observe Holy Communion?
2: We observe communion. Yes, we do. And how
1: often do you do that? We
2: do that once a month. We also have a mitzvah pool, an immersion pool, mm-hmm. um, which is also—it's a very Jewish thing. Yes. Immersion in in, in a pool. So we do. Um, Baptism. We do have the bat. Yes. We also st- we also celebrate bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs because that's. Son of the Commandment or Daughter of the Commandment. So we still have those as well. So we follow traditional, or I shouldn't say traditional, we follow the Jewish traditions. When I go to Temple, I wear a prayer shawl. We have a rabbi. I wear a kippah. And we read uh, from siddur's prayer books. And again, we follow all the traditional uh, holidays that are uh, prescribed in the Bible. And then some of the holidays, like Hanukkah's coming up, uh, two weeks from now, yeah. actually next yeah. week. What is it, Thanksgiving we're yes. calling it? Because...
1: <laughs>
2: so we're gonna have, instead of mashed potatoes, we're gonna have potato latkes. Yeah. And turkey.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes? Is the
4: uh, Messianic Church growing?
2: Yes it is. Very much so. It's growing, um, Let's see, when Bethelel started, it was about 20-something years ago. That was the first, uh, Messianic temple between Florida and New York. It's growing by leaps and bounds. And it's, it's Jew and Gentile. The Jew, the Jewish members, the Messianic Jews and the Gentile uh, members are Messianic believers. And for my wife and I, it's just a perfect fit because we're still, we're still, um <clears throat> worshiping the Lord. And we believe that Yeshua, again, is our promised Messiah.
1: How many members
2: do you have? Someone asked me that earlier. Somewhere <laughs> in the neighborhood of three, 350, if I'm not mistaken. And we've been growing as well. Recently, I guess it was about two weeks ago, uh, President Bush, 43, spoke at a Messianic conference in Texas, and he received a lot he got a lot of heat for it from the traditional Jewish community. Uh, but he spoke at a Messianic conference. And one of the thing Messianic Judaism differs from Jews for Jesus in that Jews for Jesus is a, uh, witnesses to people to try and place them in churches. Whereas Messianic Judaism is a, um, branch of Judaism, as we call branch Judaism, where Jew and Gentile can mm-hmm. worship together and still maintain our traditions. Yes?
1: What is really the history? How far back does the Messianic ministry go in like
2: <clears throat> the... first Messianic Jews were the apostles.
1: Well, I know. That.
2: <laughs> as, no, and, and, and I, I don't mean, I, I say that in... One of the uh, Bibles that we have is the Complete uh, Jewish Bible, which is a Messianic Bible, and Hebrews is not called Hebrews; it's called the Messianic Jews. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Apostle Paul is Rav Shaul. Everything is, is, is has the Hebrew translations. Rav Shaul was a rabbi. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> so, um, as we like to say, you know, it does go back. But as far as the in
1: this country, the United States, the movement. When do you think? It's like that? I, mean, like who makes, I don't say makes the rules but establishes
2: the there are a number of um, alliances okay. Messianic Jewish Alliance of America the International Jewish Messianic Alliance um, how far back it goes I think it goes really when it first was like the 60's when it first started but then it wasn't um, you know, back then it wasn't as widely known and accepted as it is now Yes.
0: Do we orthodox
1: Jews become messianic Jews?
2: We have some who were raised in the orthodox community mm-hmm. and then um, came to know Yeshua. Yes.
4: What does the orthodox community think of the messianic community? Mm-hmm.
2: They hate us. In all seriousness, they hate us. We are traitors to them. I've had friends that I've had um, dinner with back up north that I've... I've sat and had dinner and when I share with them, they tell me I'm not Jewish anymore. I said, Not Jewish? I said, When was the last time you went to a Shabbat service and it wasn't a bar mitzvah or a high holiday? And they can't answer. When was the last time you observed this? And we're sitting there at a at a at a restaurant. Oh by the way, what are you having for an appetizer? I'm having escargot.
1: <laughs> Excuse me? Wait
2: a let me let me open up Leviticus. Uh oh yeah, there's Escargo It's okay.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, so and I've become a, a a more observant Jew as far as my tradition and my heritage than I ever was. I love going to services. I love going to my Saturday services. I love worshiping the Lord. It, you know, and it's, we, one of the songs we sing is Jew and Gentile, one in Messiah, one in Yeshua, one in the olive tree, because we're all of the body. Mm-hmm. And what I've, you know, what I've continued to learn, and I'm still on my journey, but what I continue to learn is, you know, there's so much that the Lord has for us. You know, and I, and I, every day I start my day in prayer, you know, and one of the things I wrote on my steering wheel is ASAP, always say a prayer. Yeah. Always say a prayer, and it's just something easy to remember too. So, uh,
1: do you follow the, the dietary laws set out in, in the Old Testament? Yes. And you keep a kosher kitchen. Well,
2: let me. I keep a <coughs> biblically kosher kitchen, and the difference is when I when I go to Publix and buy meat. If if you go to uh, kosher butcher, you'll see a little U or a K with a circle around it. That means that it's been blessed by the rabbi, by a rabbi. Okay. I don't believe, I don't believe that it has to be blessed by a rabbi. I believe that what the, what the Bible says, as long as it's, it chews its cud and has a split hoof, and it's not any one of the six or eight animals that the Bible talks about that you should not eat, I believe in eating that. I don't eat, uh, shellfish because it doesn't have a, uh, f- a fin or scales. But I'll eat, you know, trout and anything else. Uh that's where I think some of the fences have come up. So yes, I will I don't um I don't eat pork, I don't eat shrimp. And uh you know what? I used to love bacon. I'll tell you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I used
2: to go to uh where was it Shoney's that had the breakfast buffet? I just take the chair and there's the bacon <laughs> I love it. You know what? I love the Lord more. The Lord, He's put out what I'm supposed to eat and there's a reason for it. And I, I have, Linda and I, we talk, we've talked and we think it's more, you know, the Lord put that out there not to keep us separate, but also as diets as for health. You know, cause you, know, you think about trypnosis and everything else. The Lord did that for a reason. And you know, and, and, you know, there's some people that well, I've heard that, well, you know, I've had some, Conversations and people say, well, you know, Yeshua abolished that. Well, Yeshua said, I've not come to abolish the laws or the prophets, <laughs> but to complete. So that that means something to me, you know, as far as the dietary restrictions. Bruce, it
3: sounds like to me you're more Jewish now than you were before you had your conversion experience. Is that accurate?
2: Praise the Lord, yes,
3: <laughs>
2: wow. yes. Praise the Lord, yes. Yes. I'm curious about your service as a cantor. Uh, now, are the chants much different than you, we might find in an Orthodox or conservative? Or uh The difference in the sense that in a Messianic temple, we'll do the Hebrew and then the English. Do so you know what you're chanting?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm sure you, you, you remember going to. Um, temple, literally you're and I, I've been up to temples since I've become a believer because my nephews, my sister is orthodox so when we started, when I shared with her basically what she said to me is you do your thing, I'll do my thing and never may the twain meet. Well from a physical point of view that may be the case. From a spiritual point of view, I'm praying for her. <laughs> yeah. But in, in a traditional Jewish synagogue it's all in Hebrew for the conservative and the orthodox it's all Hebrew and unless you're fluent in Hebrew and you understand what they're saying all, you, all you're you depending on is someone to come up every two or three minutes and say turn to page 422 <laughs> and then you hear them go and then five minutes later turn to page 586 because you for me, anyway, when I grew up mm-hmm. in, the, in the conservative movement, we didn't know we, I could speak Hebrew, but I couldn't converse in Hebrew because I didn't know what it meant. Mm. Yes. I
3: have a lot of Jewish neighbors, and how
2: uh, could you suggest some way that we could witness together? One of the th- and, and one of the things I, I people have asked me that question. The one thing I I, I need to Remind people is you, you can't hit them over head with the Bible if they've never read the Bible before, and that's one. That was one of my problems. Lot, you know, what I've found, and i just for myself, personally, is unless the Lord is stirring, and I have an openness to receive, they're going to be like that. I've witnessed to my mother, and she says, no, no, no. So what do you mean, though no? Well, Grandma and Grandpa didn't, you know, didn't think that way. So how could I think that way? It, There was a survey recently, the Pew Foundation did a survey, Mm -hmm. and I forgot to, and I meant to bring with me, and I'm sorry, I didn't. There is a large majority of Jewish people in in the United States who are Jewish just by tradition, birth, but has nothing to do with religion. Absolutely nothing to do with religion. And the the Orthodox, yeah, they're very fervent in, in their beliefs. And the conservative, unless someone is open, and I, I, what I've found is most of the time it's my walk, it's my quiet confidence in the Lord. That you know whatever it might be, I've got a confidence that the Lord's going to take care of things through prayer and whatever it is. And even though my mother doesn't believe, whenever one of her friends is ill, I'm the first one that gets the call. Bruce, can you pray for this one? Can you pray for that one? and i know my mother's biggest stumbling block is my sister because my sister attends orthodox so my mother's afraid of what my sister would say you know it's you know, you've got to be more worried about what god says not about what my sister would say
0: how do you typically educate your children as they grow up in both traditions
2: i don't we, are, we don't have any kids we don't have any children
0: do you have any feel for the other folks who do? They
2: raise them. Uh, they're, they uh We have a um, children's um, ministry. So it's Tuesday nights. We have scripture study. The kids are in the Tuesday night classes. Mm-hmm. During our Shabbat services, there are kids' congregation where there's the teaching. Mm-hmm. And then we have our Bar Mitzvah. We have a two-year Bar Bar bat Mitzvah class. Not just for the people, not just for the families who are raised Jewish, but also the families mm. who are Gentile, they get to, put, they have the same bar mitzvah class. They're the mm-hmm. the uh, sons or daughters of commandment, so they are raised, you know, in a messianic. We have a whole uh, education department mm. to raise children in, in a messianic belief. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> so.
3: How did people like your rabbi begin? this messianic movement away from or as different from the orthodox
2: my rabbi uh, rabbi solomon rabbi emeritus and he retired about four years ago he was in the corporate world and like he used to say one of his favorite expressions I was in the corporate world I was shucking and jiving and just doing my thing and uh, he just <laughs> the lord just called him the Lord just called him to drop what he was doing. He was uh, in a church on the south side of town, um, and then there was a couple of people that said, "Robert, you need to start an outreach for Jewish believers, and you know, so they can maintain their traditions and heritage." And that's how we started. Wow. And it wasn't easy. I mean, it was a huge, huge step of faith. He was working for um, before it was AT&T, General Electric, I believe it was, and he had a wonderful job there. And he and his wife, they just stepped out in faith. They started in a butcher shop, or a storefront. I'm sorry, they started so Temple where I grew up started in a butcher shop, a kosher butcher.
1: Um, oh yeah.
2: But that, but that's where that's how they started. And when they first, when they first opened the doors, it was like not many people were showing up. And he was one he said, Daddy, you know, if we made a mistake. And she said, the Lord will bring them. The Lord called you, trust in the Lord, and it grew to where it is today, where his son now is now the, uh, r- the rabbi, the senior rabbi at our temple.
1: Yes? A couple of
2: questions.
1: Are you saying <clears throat> temple hallel or? Beth
2: hallel. Beth, Beth hallel. No. Hallel. hallel. Beth like hallel. H-A-L-L-E-L. 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 In Hebrew, oh, okay. it's house of praise.
1: Okay.
2: That's okay. the Hebrew trans- The, he- the oh, wow. English translation is house of praise.
1: My uh, <clears throat> question is, do you and is it encouraged that you do personal prayer, not prayer by rote?
2: We pray to open the service. I'm not
1: talking in the service. I'm <coughs> talking, you said I pray every day. Oh, okay. Is it the morning prayers, you know, facing the east I by road, saying. or do you do, and when you are with your friends from community, do you do personal, from the heart prayers?
2: Okay, good question. Um my morning prayer is just like anything else, in the, just like my shower and anything else, that's part of my day. Uh, yes. You know, without it. I, so I start, and you, you'll be familiar, I start with the Shema. Uh-huh. And then I start with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I, I go into the Lord's Prayer, and then it's personal prayer for that uh-huh. day. Whether it's prayer for people, prayer for myself, pray for my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's whatever, one of the things I pray for is, is prayer wisdom from the, the Holy Spirit to lead me in my prayer time. So um in temple it's, it's yes. structured yes. prayer. Yes. But we also open in prayer and, and, uh, um, obviously bless the rabbi and, and, and speakers in prayer as well.
1: Because that's a significant difference. Oh yeah Is that personal prayer. Right. As opposed to all prayer by rote. Right. Even though God said, I don't want you to sing the same things over and over again.
2: Um. We, but you know, we also we also have studies on the prayers, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how much that enlightens us yes. into you know into the the prayer Getting and feeling. And yes, yes. yes, That there's more to again. That's the the styrofoam bagel. You know, mm-hmm. and as I like as I tell people, and I meant say when I accepted the Lord the day I accepted the Lord it was a spiritual everything bagel (laughs) because it was so much that just it was almost like my eyes were open my eyes were open so I gather you
1: don't do evangelizing
2: we have evangelizing at the temple yeah we do go out
1: at times
2: to neighborhoods or to like the uh, Jewish Tower we've gone out there Uh, it's it's we have gone out and done some we haven't done a whole lot we've also uh, there's been some evangelizing through um, some of the uh like the MJIA one of the associations where there was a special about a year ago on the miracle of Israel and then afterwards there was an opportunity to get a book about it and then if you wanted to sign up on a webpage and then we received the names of the people who were Jewish who wanted more information so that it was assigned to a number of people and we made calls, so we evangelized that way. In the past, we've gone to Rio de Janeiro and it's been a few years since we've done that to evangelize uh, as well, handing out tracts and such.
3: There are a number yes. of synagogues around you in Roswell. Correct. He's God. Do you feel closer to the Christian, like Methodists and Baptists and Lutherans, than you do. Oh yes, the synagogue.
2: Or uh, they're they're closer to us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: again, the traditional synagogues have nothing to do with us. We're dead. The, the The Jews, the Jewish believers, the Messianic Jews, are dead in the eyes of the traditional.
3: How do community. you respond? Because they have an attitude, even in the larger community. When your church comes up, their attitude is
2: that I know. their I attitude toward us is we're just a church. We're not a synagogue, and we're not Jews. We're we're Gentiles, and we're a church. We're we're as was it a, a wolf in sheep's clothing is what their their uh, generalized picture of us are. That were not Jewish. Are there messianic
3: synagogues in Israel?
2: Yes, quite a few of them. How are they received? <laughs> With, um, what's the word should I use? They're not received well, and I'm using that, they're not liked there at all, they're persecuted. Um, if it was a few years ago, there was a messianic, during Purim, the, the feast of Esther, the tradition to hand out Gifts and baskets of food and such to to other people, and there was a uh, rabbi's son. There was a rabbi who received the basket, and the basket was booby trapped. And the son opened the basket, and it blew up in his face. And it, it turned out to be a miraculous healing. He, he lost, it, I think, it was his sight and something else, and God healed him and there was a big thing in the in the uh in the um, one of the jewish papers in israeli papers about it they caught the person who was a ultra orthodox uh person who did that because they hate the uh, messianic jews we have an outreach to the messianic jewish community where we we raise funds and stuff for them because the poverty level among them is so high yes
3: uh, first, we're able, or we're blessed to be able to study the Old Testament and the New Testament and make a connection between the prophets and Jesus. Do you, do you study the Bible and do, you do
2: the Old Oh, yes, yes. Every week when we have our Torah service, we read from the Old Testament, the prophets, and the New Testament. And there are readings that are prescribed for us every week. In the traditional Jewish community you read the Torah, they read from the Torah which is the five books of Moses they start on, rush. uh, it's called Simcha Torah which is the first day that they start the reading till the end of the year which is Yom Kippur and then there's a a, uh, ceremony called Simcha Torah where we re-roll every week they'll read from the actual scrolls and they just turn a little bit, a little bit, each week they turn a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more at the end of the year It's empty you know they've reached the end so there's a service and it's a wonderful it's one of my it's probably my favorite service in all honesty where we re-roll the Torah back to the beginning and we pull we have three Torahs in the ark where we keep it and we pull the Torah out and Simcha Torah is Hebrew for joy of the Torah and I'll tell you what we're dancing around that congregation and we are just having a blast it's 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 just a phenomenal service and I, since I'm one of the cantors, I'm one of the people who have to re-roll the Torah. <laughs> so by the time I'm done, I look like Popeye.
1: <laughs> my my my
2: my forearms, my wrists are like that. They're so from doing this. And those Torahs weigh about 45 pounds each, and uh, just a little bit. Each Torah is written on a skin of a kosher animal, written with the quill of a kosher fowl, and there's a trained scribe, and he writes each. He pronounces each letter. Writes it and then pronounces it again, and Torahs. That's how they're spe- That's how they're done from generation to generation. And there's the. You, you've heard the Dead Sea Scrolls. Those are Torahs. And if you would look at a Dead Sea Scroll, which is thousands of years old, and you could look at one of our scrolls, and if you could find the exact pages or panels, you'll see that they're exactly the same. And what, it, what that does is we tell people that enables us to make sure that the word of God is, is perfect, handed down from generation to generation. If he makes a mistake, if, if he's, there's certain mistakes that the scribe makes when he's writing it, that he has to take that panel and bury it and start that panel over again. So we're sure that it's handed down from generation to generation. We have three scrolls, one of which came from Israel, the other two are Holocaust survivors. One of which is 150 years old. The other one is over 200 years old. Where
1: did they bury it? How did they
2: survive that? The scroll, a lot of scrolls. And when I was reading about this, they were just um, either when the Germans came in, they would take it and put them in a room, and then sometimes they would get smuggled out out of the countries where the Germans were. But there were a lot of Holocaust surviving scrolls that were found in. Um, I forgot where it was. It was a room or something that they found just a number of scrolls, and um, each scroll is written. The scribe has a little code that he puts in there so we could tell where it was written and when it was written. So I I was responsible for having one of the scrolls repaired because the panels were coming apart from just age and from what they went through. So I sent it up to a rabbi, which was a story in itself because it was an orthodox rabbi who didn't know he was repairing a scroll <laughs> for a messianic <laughs> congregation. Now, what we had to do is we had to send it through a third person who was also a orthodox To answer your question, someone asked about uh, orthodox and non-orthodox. We sent it up to an orthodox rabbi who was sympathetic to the messianic movement and he gave it to his friend who was a scribe who was able to repair it the friend gave it back to him and he sent it back to us so we got the scroll repaired what about the education of
1: your children in your medias
2: yeah we have a a we have a full education ministry Uh, we don't have any day classes but our classes are Tuesday nights Saturdays as well we have a number of classes depending on the age and we also have a teen uh, group as well and one of the things we found and I, and I know this personally from growing up in my synagogue is lots of times the teens reach a certain age and it's like I'll see you. But we're the teen group that we have they're so involved with the teen leadership. And we actually have our teens do services uh once a quarter. So we want to get them involved so they're learning the chance, they're learning how to lead a service, how to stand up in front of people and, and you know lead the service. So our kids are very active. Yes?
1: Um. just the three branches, the Orthodox Reform and Conservative, do they have it? Old Testament Bibles in their homes <clears throat> or is it all just
4: Hebrew? You, you mentioned your family that you were not familiar with.
2: Uh, My aunt, who was, who was author, she was strictly Orthodox. And, uh, I mean, she was about as Orthodox as they came. Uh, I don't recall ever seeing a Bible in her house.
1: The,
2: the Jews have the Old Testament generally. They would have the Talmud, which is the interpretation.
1: Yep.
2: Uh, but I don't. I mean, they I, have the commentary,
1: but they don't have the source. They don't have the books of the Old
2: Testament. As as far, I can only speak from what I would know. That as far as I know, now.
1: And, and I have one other question. Um, in,
4: I'll just say in Israel, but in general. Is the hatred for only Messianic Jews, but not secular, non
1: religious? That's correct. They're, they're going to
2: They're fine. They're fine. Because we're considered traitors.
1: Right.
2: We're traitors. This, and but they're tolerant of people um, that
1: aren't born Jewish. They're, they're tolerant
2: of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're tolerant of, Absolutely. But as far as Messianic Jews, no, they don't. We're, we're traitors to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's interesting because to them, if it's a Jew who doesn't believe in God, they're okay with that. I'm a Jew that does believe in God, and I'm, I'm a Jew who believes in God's Word. I'm, and you know, we we have scriptures that we can go to Ezekiel and Isaiah, who talks about the coming of the Messiah. I mean, it's right there. Mm-hmm. You know, all I have to do is read it. The problem is they don't. And then that goes back to witnessing at times. If we try to talk about, you know, this is what Isaiah says, this is what Ezekiel says, unless they have a point of reference of reading it, it's it's Greek.
3: Your wife was Church of Christ? Yes. Did you have any trouble with their theology?
2: No, because she left the church pretty much. She had the same experience I did. She left the church when she was, she was living in Texas when she moved to Georgia. It might have even been before that that she left. <laughs>
3: So uh, she they, had no, there was they, no... They bopped you in and out, whether you believe or not, yeah. in their church. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. We do how did you incorporate Christmas?
2: We don't observe Easter. We observe the resurrection. Okay. And we don't observe uh Christmas.
4: Bruce, um, here's a tough one. Eternity, and mm-hmm. uh, reaching heaven,
3: uh, how how do we address that? Speak yes, John. What's your question? How do the Orthodox, the Reform,
2: and the conservative Jews believe about getting to heaven? They believe they're going to paradise, period.
1: And by birth
2: or? By by virtue of the fact that they're Jewish. <laughs> we also, growing up, believed that our sins were forgiven when we fasted on Yom Kippur. See, but the Bible, the the Scripture says there could be no remission of sin without a blood atonement. And when the temples were destroyed, there was no place for the blood atonement to take place. So, we have the Day of Atonement, which, in tradition, becomes a a time of cleansing of your sins. There's also a service called the Tashlich, where Jews will go to a body of water and throw bread in the water. It's mm-hmm. casting your sins upon the water. Now, when I used to go growing up, I'd just bring in a whole um, bread truck and just let them dump the whole thing. <laughs> in, <laughs> it. Why don't
1: you celebrate Easter? I mean, that is... That is
2: we celebrate the, the resurrection. The we celebrate the resurrection. The but resurrection
1: none- is after the atonement time.
2: But we, it's not, not scriptural for us. It's not in the scriptures as far as Easter. It's, it's quote unquote Easter. So we celebrate these, the resurrection. We used to have a resurrection service, which is three days after Passover. So we'll celebrate it then. How did I do? Yeah. Time, and time-wise? okay? Okay. Thank you everyone for this opportunity to share.
1: Maybe a little diversion from what we've just been going through. Uh huh. You're from New York, I'm from New York,
0: and you and I both know that the bagels sold down here are
1: not. (laughs) (laughs) It's the water.
2: (laughs) It's the water.
4: (laughs) Thank you, Bruce. Kevin and Groot, I mean, we had Bruce come over probably a year ago, right? We were studying different religions, and you, and the way the questions were here, I mean, we could have kept him for days, but we kept going on and on. Very interesting. Thank you very much. appreciate it. And by the way, you're trying to fake a heart attack or public speaking? I tried them both, but I'm going to choose this one. It may not be good, but... Uh, I don't have a thought for the day, but I subscribe to a daily devotional thing, and this came in this week, and I thought it was very interesting, so I want to share this with you for a moment. Another Black Friday. God, God, what is America's favorite holiday? Many of you will immediately think of Easter, while others will think of Christmas, Still others might select New Year's Eve, but none of these even come even close. Thanksgiving, a favorite, but it's not a number one. If you define favorite as the day people show the most passion and excitement, many Americans' favorite holiday is Black Friday. (laughs) The day after Thanksgiving. Black Friday gets its name because so much merchandise is sold on that day that retailers literally see their profit and loss statements go from being in the red to being solidly in the black. If you want to understand the passion this holiday inspires, watch what happens when stores open their doors at 5 a.m. Watch how grown men shove old ladies aside (laughs) so they can be the first to grab that season's hottest new video game. Notice the effort people exert so that they can buy a toaster for
1: $4.
4: (laughs) What's your favorite holiday, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving? Those make sense. But Black Friday, give it a break. (laughs) Y'all have a nice holiday.